three friends and the apocalypse. Yay. So today is June 28th, nearing the end of June. How are you guys doing? Today's a low energy day, but in general, I'm okay. Um, for intros, once again, I'm Hallie. I'm recording from South Florida. And today we're talking about what kind of music we've been listening to lately um, for our intros. So lately, I've been listening to uh, Phoebe Bridger's new album, uh, Punisher. It's my first time, like, li- I haven't listened to her before, but I'm very much enjoying this album. Oh, and, oh my God, of course, I've been listening to Ungodly Hour by Chloe and Hallie. Um, um, and I'm absolutely obsessed with the song "Forgive Me." Like, okay. I don't. Have you guys listened to it? No, no, no. What's what's you hot have, about you it? You have to. Okay. It's just like, I don't know. It just makes me feel things. <laughs> I, I heard someone. I think this YouTuber I watched. I, I heard her describe it as like futuristic R and B, and the song is so good, and the music video is so cool. Like, right after this, go listen to it. Actually, like. Okay. Oh my god, I totally forgot, but I've been listening to it, like, five times a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll definitely listen to it after. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually never listened to their songs before, but... I've here for music videos for do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've never really been into their music before. Like, I like how they sang, but I wasn't into their music. But, like, mm-hmm. this album has, like, cool stuff. Like, some of the songs are, like, pretty cool. They do, like, cool harmony stuff. And this one song, Forgive Me, yeah. just, like, makes me feel like a crazy person in, like, a good way. Oh, my <laughs> no, God. That's, like, what I want out of my music. <laughs> but, okay. yeah, that's, a, that's my music. Cool, cool. Thank you for the recommendation. Okay. Alba, do you want to go or should I go? I'm sure I'll go. Okay. So, yeah, this is Elba. Um, I'm recording from the Bronx. Uh, as for music, I mean, I usually just listen to whatever I have saved on, like, my Spotify. Um, but as in, like, new stuff, uh, I recently saw the movie The Man from Uncle, And mm-hmm. I've been listening to, like, the soundtrack because I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Cool kind of, like, 60s era kind of music in it, mm-hmm. which is fun. And there's this, like, one Italian song. Like this real super like you know those super like romantic kind of sounding songs. Yeah, one of those in it, and it makes me just want to lay on the ground, staring up at the ceiling, <laughs> contemplating life. <laughs> you know, and start an Italian romance. Yeah. Did you watch that on a streaming service or did you download it? Oh yeah, just downloaded it. Cool. I liked it. It's very stylized. Sounds cool. Um and cool so. I liked it. Yeah. It was funny too. Were they trying to depict the Cold War? What what was the era that they were doing again? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was like from what I remember, the fashion it was pretty '60s, like '60s '70s fashion. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to remember if yes, I, yes, it was Cold War because it was like the Americans and then the other spy was he was Russian and. Oh. That was yeah. like the funny dynamic. Did they fall in love? Was it forbidden lovers? Is that the plot? A Russian spy and an American spy? Army Hammer is in the film, but... Oh. 
I mean, up to the bay, you know, up to the bay, how you want to, how you want to look at it. Thank you for sharing. Okay, I'll do mine. So I'm Annie, recording from Midtown. A song that I've been listening to recently is Walt Whitman from Yo-Yo Ma's latest album uh, called Not Our First Goat Rodeo. So he has this bluegrass band with a couple other musicians and um, it's just really interesting. Like my, my, like my dad listened to it and he's, he noticed that there were some like Chinese slash Mongolian elements to the music. And so I really enjoyed listening to the whole musical experience, if you will. So it's called uh, Not Our First Goat Rodeo. And the song that I like was Walt Whitman. Cool. So right now we're also starting an affiliate link with Audible. So I'm just going to do that before we get into the actual podcast. So Audible is the leading provider for audiobooks, along with podcasts, guided wellness programs, and theatrical performances. Uh, They have thousands of titles. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets, and you can download titles and also listen to them offline anytime, anywhere. So something that I listened to recently and that an author I've talked about, I'm sure every single podcast, um, I listened to a book by Ursula K. Le Guin um, on like a cross-state road trip I had to blow right through. Um, I listened to City of Illusions and yeah, they have, re- they have it on Audible. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's that. <laughs> um, okay, do you want to share our link as well? So, oh, wait, what, where is it? Where our affiliate link, link oh, is... Oh, our affiliate yeah. link is audibletrial.com slash apocalypse. And if you click that link, it's ours. So, yeah. yay, support the podcast by using our link. Thanks very much. Yes. So that's um, A-P-O-C-A-L-I-T, apocalypse. And you get a free month of Audible and a free audiobook on us. So go sign up. Oh. Thank you, Audible. All right, shall we get into the podcast? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so this month, I was the one who chose the book. It's actually a set of poetry. Um, it's called Don't Call Us Dead by uh, Dennis Smith. Um, they use they, them, theirs pronouns, just FYI. But yeah, so this month, I, this is our first um, set of poems, like in our book club that we've had for a while. Um, I thought it would be interesting because mostly we've just read uh, novels and every book that we've read has followed this sort of uh, clean narrative structure although that can be argued, but most of them go from like uh, <clears throat> a story, right? And so I think poems are um, a really useful medium to go into moments instead of stories. Um, and so the book title again is Don't Call Us Dead by Dan is Smith. Um, and Smith is a very talented uh, writer and author. So I have an intro here for them. I'm going to read it out. Uh, They were born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they're the author of Insert Boy, 
and most recently, Homey, which came out in 2020, and they were the winner of the Kate Tufts Discovery Award and the Lambda Literary Award, and they're a recipient of like numerous fellowships, including the McKnight Foundation, National Endowment of the Arts. Basically, they're really talented, <laughs> so and have lots of accolades. Um, I did choose the book initially uh, because I thought it would be like a good entryway into talking about um, police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement um, and going on in America. It's been ongoing actually for quite a while. Uh, so yeah, but we did choose this book before um, before everything that happened in June, before uh, the murder of George Floyd. Um, it definitely doesn't feel like personal impressions uh, of the past month are enough. So um, I think it's just good to delve into poetry um, because none of us are activists, right? So again, I think poetry is very useful because it's, there's, it's, it has a sort of lyricality to it. It's sort of like music. Um, and Hallie mentioned before that Danez has actually done a lot of their poetry through spoken word. Um, so yeah, this has been on my TBR for forever and I think it'd be cool to just talk about their poems. Hey, so this is editing Annie over here. Um, so I was listening to this part again and I realized that it's sort of uh, the way that I said that we weren't activists lends to the idea of passivity during social movements that are especially important for our time. So um, again, I apologize for not creating the space to talk about um, Black Lives Matter and police brutality. I sort of just thought in my head that because we are a book club, we're not necessarily like the NAACP NACAPA? <laughs> Is that their name? Um, we're not like some social organization. We're just three friends. And if we had a conversation about this, um, maybe we would want you to listen. But at the same time, you know, the space is already saturated. And um, although some of our, our POC, that's like not our story to tell um, other than the fact that we are in solidarity. So again, I apologize, and um, maybe this apology isn't needed, but I felt like it was. And to uh, help, we're going to include some links below, and it'll include some book recommendations, but also ways that we can act together. So also, I guess something we should mention is that, like, none of us have, like, lots of experience with poetry, like, reading poetry, like, yeah, reading poetry in particular, right? Like, how many, like, poetic works would you say you guys have read and and liked or, like, gotten through the whole thing, you know? <laughs> like, the, the Iliad doesn't count or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, like, one. Like, you I'm not going to count anything that I yeah. read in school. Right. Like, you know, that was that was put upon you. That was forced mm -hmm. upon you. Yeah. And you only read that to learn, like, very technical things like this is what alliteration is <laughs> you know <laughs> like it was off of, it was off of the exams that were coming mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm not going to count anything from school. But yeah, on my own, probably like one book. What was it? I read Milk and Honey, and that oh. was like two months ago, uh, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only, yeah, the only collection of poems I've ever mm-hmm. read. Yeah. Pretty short. Um, I mean, Rupi's, her her poems have really taken off because like initially she self-published those poems, right? And then like now she's one of like the most well-known poets of our generation, which I think is so cool. Um, but I, yeah, I also have not read poetry in like five years. Um, and if Elba's not counting her school poems, I can't do that either. So goodbye, <laughs> Robert Frost. Goodbye, Robert Frost. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I don't know who else. Wilfred Owen. Like, it's just, I can't. Also, like, a lot of the poems that I read were just not very uh, interesting to me. Like, maybe we did learn stuff like stanzas and structure and, like, stuff from Shakespeare. But it never really hit me as something that could, like, deeply impact me, but rather something that we had to learn. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I've only, I've tried to read a lot of poetry because I have a friend, Adele, who's like very into reading poetry. Um, and I've tried and I've never really, the only thing I've ever read that I actually liked besides this book actually is um, Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. I really like that. Like, I think it's really good. Um, but I have, I've listened to tons and tons and tons of poetry. Like I've listened to so much spoken word because I did interp in high school and we had like an event. I don't know if you, did you guys have debate, you guys had speech and debate teams at your school? No. No? I, I think we did. I was on interp team, whatever, dramatic interpretation of literature is what it is for those who don't know. Um, and there was an event called OI, Oral Interpretation, where you had like prose and poetry and you had to cut a bunch of, one of the part of the event was to cut a bunch of poetry together to create like a, a, a message to have like, you like acted the poetry essentially. So I listened to tons and tons of poetry in high school and I don't like spoken <laughs> word poetry <laughs> and I don't like it. Um, so I listened. So like, I'm really glad that we read this because after we read this, I went and listened to him and I didn't like it when it was spoken word. Oh, <laughs> and I no. like it. Because like, yeah. I don't know how often you guys listen to spoken word poetry, mm-hmm. but 99% of the time, everyone performs in the same like speech pattern. Which um, is? And he, uh, they, uh, Denise Smith kind of, it's like you have to listen to it. Like once you listen to one or two poems, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but Danez Smith kind of has less of that, but mm. they still do. And so I was like, man, I'm very much glad. Like poetry, I'm glad that like we read this and that I got to find this read. Because yeah. I think it was really amazing. And if I had just heard them do it, I would have been, it's like, this is, like, a good testament to, like, the power of the written word, you know, mm-hmm. in poetry. Ooh. Because there's, because, like, I feel like we have lots of access to, um, like, audio and visual imagery, imagery mm-hmm. now. Like, there's lots of, like, videos of things. Right. But, like, this is a good testament to, once again, like, how powerful, just, like, and how, like, stimulating and how... Uh, evocative just like a written word can be because I thought it was it was so much more when I read it than when I listened to it 
Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you And how much that more out. personal it can be. That yeah. too. Like yeah. how much more personal reading something and doing all kind of the, the work of it yourself, right. how much that can be impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that because it, I also feel the same way in that, you know, when you have the audiovisual, like you said, it's much easier just to see like the author as another person and to mm-hmm. see like th- their words be their own. But like you said, like um, actually at the end of the book, I thought it was really sweet that Smith um, indicated that this book of poems is ours now. And um, I think again, like what you talked about, like the written word is much more personal in that sense, but I don't know. Um, When you said spoken word, uh, I just remembered that I actually have had uh, contact with that before. Um, There's Mm -hmm. this spoken word poet called Sarah Kay and yeah she's a graduate yeah. of my high school and she oh, came, really yeah she came to our, our school and did spoken word poetry for us and I was like what is this I've never heard of it um and so she would just talk Wait, to us about really her, about I've her. heard this person's poetry many many times oh okay wow, I can't believe cool. yo no people yeah. in inter people did her poetry all the time like you see it like at every single event yeah. wow she went to your high school yep she went to our high school oh my gosh i see it in her in her wikipedia page brown and like what is it brown and the name where would it go the name of your high school i don't know brown and there. united nations oh <laughs> whatever goodness me <laughs> yeah yeah so she actually wow. um she was she was in her high school so that was really cool I think she's one of the only famous people that we have as one of our alumni. <laughs> but I remember her coming in and performing and it being a very strange experience, not just for me, but for other people who are just like, we were not really into poetry back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have it performed actually made it more appealing to us because at the time we were reading Shakespeare. Um, mm-hmm. Not saying that Shakespeare's bad, but just that he can be a boring man sometimes. So um, it was really inspiring to see like such a young person um, like perform their poetry out loud to a bunch of high schoolers. So I just remember that really strongly. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we could start with the first poem or just do you want to start off with like your first impressions of... Um. Well, I don't have the book with me because I had to give it back to the library. I just okay. have, like, a few, like, I took screenshots of some stuff I really liked. So if we start from the first poem, like, I don't have it with me. I'll see you guys oh. now. Okay. No I listen to an audiobook, so. <laughs> Wait, so this was the library for Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was read in a spoken word kind of way. I mean, yeah. I've listened to spoken word before, but I don't know if it was read in that kind of way exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's an audio book. Um, but I did read my, the ones that I liked the most. Like I, like I, after listening to the book, I was like, okay, I remember I liked these three the most and I was able to find them online mm-hmm. by their name. Okay. Cool. I was able to read them. So I have those up, like open on my computer. Cool. Okay. So maybe we can go through our favorite poems, like one one each maybe um yeah 
I'm very like just a sad like I don't know rule follower like the first poem is my favorite so um oh. I can do that one but then uh okay. if you guys if you guys have a favorite poem we can go to those next the first one from the intro or the first one after the intro uh do you mean the intro from from uh Drake <laughs> oh my god oh my god if I die I I'm thought a that was great I thought that was a great way to start the book. Those two like opposing poems. Yeah, I meant everything, the one that was after Drake, but right. Yeah, those yeah. Two, like ev honestly, everything about everything about this this book was so good. Like, yeah, it was. Oh, it was it was really well. Yeah, so start out, Annie. Okay. I guess. Yes, and then we can talk about yeah. our poems <laughs> next. Okay, so the first poem is "Summer Somewhere." It starts off somewhere a sun. Below, boys brown as rye, play the dozens and ball, jump in the air and stay there. So actually, that, that, the first two stanzas, um, I don't know how to analyze this. I feel stupid analyzing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, analyze. yeah. And just say what you thought of it as yeah, like a whole. Like, how you movie. felt. Okay. Some, your favorite lines, what that made you feel. Okay, okay. Good idea. Thank you for recentering. Okay, so... I think what I liked about this poem the most was that it had a very cinematic sense uh, of it's like a moment in time. So they, they have this idea of like the, the boys jumping in the air and staying there. And I just like poems that, or even just literature that talks about like moments that are frozen in time, something to remember, memories and stuff like that. Uh, and then what I really enjoyed was um, the naturalistic imagery that's there. Smith is like able to compare boys to moons and bring in the ocean and bring in the sun. So in the next sentence, boys become new moons, gum dark on all sides, beg bruise. So not only is there like an internal rhyme, but I really enjoyed the imagery of like a lunar surface becoming dark and then um, that being the same color of skin. And, and then afterwards, there's this whole part on like the ocean water. I just love like natural imagery and, and um, being able to tie humans back to that because I think with a lot of current sentiment, it's about um, elevating us to beyond, beyond what is natural, beyond what is into something that is sort of artificial with social media and like just technology. So it's nice to have this kind of um, like yearning for nature um, and then so um, there's this part where they talk about the ocean tide the next stanza blue water to fly at least tide at least spit back a father or two i won't get started and again it seems really silly to like go through each sentence because they're already just beautiful the way they are and they say enough as they are but um i love that the narrator is like i won't get started because this is something that's already closed. I prefer not to talk about it. Um, and then what's the next line is history is what it is. It knows what it did. And this was my favorite part of the whole poem because it seemed to say to me like there's no need to for me to repeat myself or um, for me to say anything. When you objectify history somehow it has a bigger impact than if you included people's like primary sources and their own point of view because people are susceptible to like revisionism and um, denial. And so when you say that this is history as it is and it knows what it did, it's just 
more impactful and more meaningful, I think. And yeah, so, and then the next line is just talking about summer. Um, again, I think we'll notice these motifs about blood a lot throughout the whole like poetry. So consider the next line. Bad dog, bad blood, bad day to be a boy. Um, so sorry if this is like me droning on, but I did enjoy like the repetition. So again, like I said earlier, Smith is really able to do this lyrically and musically by having certain elements repeat themselves. After that, you sort of, the, the next part that I really liked was um, when Smith is able to create like this alternate universe. And this is like the, the this is the most like melancholy part of the story. So you have these um, officers uh, who turn the white shirts into ruby gowns. Excuse me, I'm extrapolating here. So let's look at the next sentence. But here, not earth, not heaven, we can't recall our white shirts turned ruby gowns. Here, there's no language for officer or law, no color to call white. So that's the section I'm, I'm talking about. And so clearly, Smith is like creating this alternate space. Um, and in the following lines, they go to say, if snow fell, it fall black, please don't call us dead. Call us alive someplace better. Um, so it's like such yeah. a beautiful imagistic line. I don't know what you guys thought, but this other world that the narrator has I developed. I highlighted it. <laughs> Mine. Can you see it? It's like the only line in the in the book that I like. Like I I highlighted it. I was like, wow, wow, so good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think it could mean many things, and uh, oh. It, it would be. Mm -hmm. Wait, pause a sec. Okay. All right, so we're gonna take a break. Um, why don't you grab yourself a cup of tea or coffee and join us in a minute? But before you do that, why don't you take this time to sign up for Audible? So again, you get a month of Audible and a free audiobook on us, courtesy of Audible. Thank you very much, Audible. The link again is audibletrial.com forward slash apocalypse. So that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash A-P-O-C-A-L-I-T. Yeah, treat yourself to a month of Audible. Thank you so much to our sponsor. We appreciate you. And let's get back to our podcast. Sweet. Okay, so, um, yeah, so we just went over the last line, which is, uh, please don't call us dead, call us alive someplace better. And, uh, you know, there's so many ways to interpret this line. Uh, I think it could, it, like, it, to me, like, the interpretation was, like, um, we don't need to be dead, especially, like, for Black boys or girls they don't need to be dead, all they need to be is alive. And that was my interpretation, could be something different, but the next stanza, the final stanza is, we say our own names when we pray, we go out for sweets and come back. So again, uh, this, I don't think this is here on this earth, this is um, in that place at some place better, because in that reality, uh, you know, they would come back when they go get their sweets 
Um, so I don't know, it would be such a difference if they could come back. So in, in general, I just love this poem uh, for its imagery, the naturalism, the resolution of everything, and just like the organization of the stanzas, uh, two by two, and also the imagery of like a better place. So for me, it's just a very like sad, woeful poem, but that's still very alive. So that's why it was my favorite poem out of the whole series. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, do you guys have any thoughts or do you want to jump on to your next, <laughs> next favorite poem? I have some thoughts. I also thought like, you know, this is really great kind of beginning to the book because I think it kind of really, like it starts out to show like what the, what the like power of Smith's poetry and like poetry in general is, which is like connecting, like it, it, it personalizes things so well, right? Like you can feel, you can feel what senseless violence is just by re like by reading this, if you've never felt it before, right. kind of like the real tragedy of the way things are and the, like the way that like it shouldn't be or the way that things should be. Right. And that like, yeah. And I think, they do a really good job like in this it makes you like it makes you feel how how crushing kind of this senseless violence is for of youth mm -hmm. in smith's community and later on when they talk about illness as like a personal thing but also a community-wide thing right aids in the yeah. other poem which is what i'm going to talk about later and so i think this is like a really great like, it, yeah, it's so powerful in that sense that it just, you can feel exactly what they, what it, what they want you to feel, that experience. Right. right. Um, and it doesn't rely on narrative or, like, showing you step by step or, like, explaining, like, in a book, this is why things are bad. This is why mm -hmm. things need to change. Like, you don't need any of that. You can just feel as a human through this yes. poetry. Right. What it's true. So, Yeah. I felt about this first poem. Mm -hmm. um, but did you think anything, or do you want to go with the poem that you like next? Um, we can go to the next poem. So okay. another poem. Okay. All right. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, one of my favorite poems was um, "Dinosaurs in the Hood." Mm. That was a good one. I, I figured you'd like it because it's like, isn't it like a sort of cinema <laughs> movie? You guys think that would like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, in this poem, Smith kind of talks about film mm -hmm. a bit. And I don't know, I enjoyed the poem because I enjoyed first, firstly the personality in the poem. Mm. Um, there's just, I don't know, there are just these moments, these lines where I get uh, a, like a large sense of like kind of personality in a personality, um, like don't let Tarantino direct this mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I enjoyed that um, when I was listening to it. It was like, 
it was like if someone was talking to me or pitching an idea for a movie to me mm-hmm. and they were just going through like oh this would make a great film but you know don't let this and this happen because that would ruin it <laughs> um so so that i liked about it um i also i really um it just kind of struck me how the poem touches upon the importance of like mediums and like film, music, television, and the importance of um, representation in these mediums, Mm -hmm. which is something that's talked about often, especially now, especially when um, a lot of popular films have been coming out, films like Get Out, Black Panther, you know, Moonlight, films that have done really well. Right. And um, films that have meant something to a lot of people because there are films that center on Black men and women, um, people of color, characters of color, and them being the protagonists, not just the villains, not just the best friend sidekicks, mm. not just the person that that dies, dies halfway or gets killed. Film. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why this poem stood out to me because yeah. it touches on that in a way that kind of highlights the importance of having films, not just films that talk about um, issues that people are facing and um, issues surrounding people of color, black people, slavery and stuff like that, but also just having films where there are, where, where you have these characters, um, mm-hmm. you have um, these communities, they're shown, but it's not about pain. It's not about hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not about all these things that we go through. It's just, it's just a film. It's a film yeah. you get mm-hmm. to see yourself reflected in a film, but it's not about trying to escape slavery. It's about a film about dinosaurs. It's Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, but instead of having just a bunch of white people, it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. in, you know, like the Bronx, or it's in Brooklyn, or it, it's in, in someone's corner, uh, the corner of a neighborhood. And there's, like he says, there's grannies, you know, yeah. like, like picking out raptors. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's a film to enjoy. Right. Anyone yeah. can enjoy it. Anyone can yeah. um, see a character and kind of connect with them without having to um, to relate to, like, like it says, this movie, um, it's the last, second to last stanza, which is when um, they start to touch upon this. They say, this movie can't be a metaphor for Black people or extension. This movie can't be about race. This right. movie can't be about Black pain or yeah. the cause of Black pain. Can't be about long history or having a long history with hurt. Sure. This movie can't be about race. Um, it can't have all these like stereotypes. Can't have, and you know, no bullets in in the heroes. No one can kill the black boy. No one can kill the black boy. No one can kill the black boy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, just how a lot of people um try to be you know progressive, and um, and you see a lot of people trying to be progressive in these kind of mediums, film, television, music. 
and yet they kind of only find a space for um, Black lives and, and Black people just as examples, just right. as, yeah. um, you know, these tales of horror. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it is important to bring these things to life. It's important that um, people are educated, people know their history, people yeah. um, are aware of what's happening. But it's also important to give everyone a life outside of that and show that, hey, we are more than... <laughs> than than this history or more than the pain mm-hmm. that we are made to like suffer right we're much more than that life can be much more than that if you mm-hmm. just let it be sorry for butting in but as you like having uh like you said more space for life and hu- like just human experiences outside of like black americans or just uh poc doing the work you know, for white people <laughs> to understand race relations. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sorry to butt in, but. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of a discourse that people talk about a lot, especially when you, you when you have films, um, like, you know, these Disney films coming out where they're changing like the race of characters and people are like, okay, yeah, we said we wanted representation, but we didn't just mean take a story where someone was white and then make them mm-hmm. black. Like right. How about make <laughs> yeah. an original story <laughs> right. that yeah. focuses, um, and that's based off the culture. It's not like, don't just make the Little Mermaid black. Like, right. no one asked for that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, not what, that's not what we, we that's meant. That's not what you know? we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I I really enjoy this poem because it, it just touches upon <clears throat> this kind of social aspect and um this social aspect and the way you know industries just like the film industry can take something and just can take something and make it about not about the story, but about, okay, how can we make, you know, mm-hmm. money? How can yes. we get people in seats? Mm. Let's not really care about the story or what it means or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, like, there's a line where it's like, um, I don't want some cheesy yet progressive, humong, sexy, hot dude here with a funny yet strong, <laughs> black girl, buddy cop. This is not a vehicle for Will Smith or Sophia Vergara. <laughs> um, so yeah they're really touching upon again it's like hey we're trying to be inclusive but in in this very like this tiny mold Mm. and also you can only see um actors of color if they've if they've already like made it they've become successful so we'll use them to death in every in every film that that requires Uh someone of color Mm. right it's, um, it's amazing how little, like, how few people in, like, who create, like, I guess who are in, like, in positions of power in media or in Hollywood, like, act, like, understand what, like, represent, like, they think representation is just, like, in quotes, and that's yeah. all it means, but, like, the first time you see someone who represents, like, who, who you can relate to in media is really powerful, and, like, people, like, they don't get, like, 
I remember, like, I don't, I mean, we should, we shouldn't talk about this. Why don't we do this now? Like, the first time you felt, like, you watched a piece of, like, something on TV or a movie, and you felt like, oh, oh, I can, like, I can finally see myself. Mm -hmm. What do you guys like? Because I know I have one of those things that was like, I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wait a minute. This is a real, like, this is a story that I can relate to. Like, do you guys... Mine was, mine was, well, it was Broad City. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I was like, oh, oh. Annie, did you, you didn't watch Broad City with us? I watched you? it with you guys. I watched a couple episodes. But I didn't finish yeah. the whole thing. But that was the first time I at least was like, these are like real Jewish women who mm. are like not, they're not neurotic in an annoying way. They're not just, they're not just stand-ins for these ideas about Jewish women. Yeah. And experiences. What was like the, that for you guys? Mulan was actually the first movie that I ever loved and would watch every day. And I think that's the closest I've gotten to like feeling like I understood someone who looked just like me. She had this like really strong bond with her parents and her and her dad and just feeling like that she had to like save her family. And um, I mean, I just really relate to the whole filial piety thing as cliche as it is. So that was like the only movie that I ever remember feeling like, wow, like I can imagine myself in her, in her position like 5,000 years ago, maybe. But um, I can't think of one. If I can, I'll tell you. Mm. Um, I'm also having some trouble. God damn it, media. (laughs) (laughs) This is a problem. Not in a, not exactly in that way, um, because, because I, I grew up not just watching American representations of, of, like, the Latin community, like, like, my dad would make it a point to, we, there used to be this movie theater before Sandy destroyed it, and he, and they would air, they, they would, um, show, like, Dominican films, like, like, films from DR, and he would make a point to, like, take me to to see these films um but in in terms of american films like hollywood films growing up um i don't know i can't I'm not saying that i've never like related to a character no yeah oh no I'm yeah that oh, well, we're talking like, yeah, for sure like, i feel like have like yeah no, the best part of being like a human is that like you can relate to literally anything, like even a mm-hmm. teacup. So, you know, all my life I've watched really, <laughs> really great like media. Like I, I won't say that those films aren't great. Like I love no films yeah. that I've just come out. I just feel like no, I, I haven't relating really relating to yeah. Yeah. Relating to something and seeing your experiences mm-hmm. expressed by mm-hmm. other people. Right. Are just that they're different things. Like the stories told on TV and Hollywood that get the people in power who have money to do this aren't interested in expressing, aren't like interested in, in telling those stories, right? Right? Like they're not interested in telling those stories that aren't necessarily profitable. Which about another time, like what is profitable, right? So, right. Do you want to get back to the poetry? We sort of like deep dive <laughs> into like all the media we that we've watched and like yeah. the background. What well, going back to the poetry? One thing that I think is that's like importantly emphasized in 
this work is like the future, I guess, that there, there is a future for people. And so I hope in the future, there's going to be better, like, like the movie that Smith is talking about is going to get made, right? Yeah. Like, these stories are gonna, like, they could, like, tomorrow someone could write a movie about this. Right. And they could get it. So I think that's, some, that's something also, like, I really enjoyed about these poems is that the, the, the emphasis on ongoingness and on possibility so, <laughs> um, so I really like like a block of poems, kind of the, I mean, like, once again, I'm like all of it. It was all, it was like, it was all just evocative, um, <laughs> but I thought really like, cause this was kind of something that I don't hear talk. I think if, if you're not in the LGBT community, you probably don't, like, it's probably more common to talk about, I mean, it's got, it, like, to talk about AIDS than in the non-queer communities. Yeah. So I've never really read, like, you know, this is another thing, like, you read about things, you read about stories all the time, but to hear someone express, like, ongoing illness and to express their experience with AIDS in this way was very... Yeah. personalizing like um and the yeah. way they talked about it as kind of I don't know how to how would you describe like I'm trying to think of like w one or two words to describe the whole I mean why should no why should I do it they have all these words I'm not gonna dumb it not dumb it down I'm not gonna condense it yeah um, I but thought like they, once again, the talk. Oh, sorry, you can go. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, um, like what you were discussing. Uh, I, I always felt like HIV was something, and AIDS, uh, something that the general like hetero public is just very scared to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and also, like you know, straight people can have it too. It's just that, yeah. like, during the period of like the 1990s, I do feel like because of really bad like political fear mongering like it just didn't mm -hmm. come out well in terms of like public health and stuff so like with the, with his very sorry with their like openness of discussing like blood his blood my blood yeah. um i loved the section where the bloods overlapped like in like visually i don't remember if you remember saw that but like because elba you were listening to it on audiobook but um there's a section where eventually like their bloods became each other's um, and it, to, to me, like that, the idea of like the, the Western med medicine framework of like, oh, you have like HIV AIDS suddenly becomes like less of that. And more so like his blood is mine, we're a blood sister is blood wedding, like referential to culture and also mm -hmm. to their own feeling of like illness and disease. So, yeah. Yeah. And also kind of like. Smith also really expresses the modern ambiguity of it because while it used to mean death, now it means you can live if you have money. So I'm gonna, I'll just like read out this part. God bless the father who will have none to call him father. God bless the lonely God who will create nothing. But there's pills for that, but the pills cost too much and the womb costs money to rent. But who will let you fill them with seed from a, a tree of black snakes? But I didn't know what he was bringing to me. 
but he told me he was negative, but he wasn't aware of the red witch spinning in his blood, but he tasted so sweet. Sweet as a child's smile, sweet as a dream filled with children who look just like you, who you know, black, chubby, beaming, dying. You know, black, chubby, beaming, dying of hunger, dying on the news, dying to forget the news. He came to me like that. We were almost brothers, almost blood, than we were. Good God, we made a kind of family in my veins. My sons, brothers, sleep, sisters, daughters, name each cell royal, home untouchable. And every deem, every dream, I un my children, untuck them into bed, unkiss their little wounds, unteach them how to pray, unwake in the night to watch their little chests rise and fall, unname them, tuck them back into their mothers, and I wake up in bed with him. His red, oh, I wake up in bed with him. His red dead gift, I don't know how, but surely, and then again. I thought that was very powerful. Um, and going through that, right, it, it's kind of the weird place that this, like, sickness has brought them to. Mm -hmm. And kind of a large group of people to where you have something that I don't I don't know you know like that it's it's hard to obviously it's like, like it's hard it's like, to express yeah it's like binding <laughs> the sickness is binding yeah like love yeah it's yeah it's binding but it it also like has taken something even right. though it doesn't kill you it's taken mm -hmm. something from you right. Um, that if you had money, maybe you could get it back, right? Yeah. That if you, if you like, of course, like this whole thing is just, it's about like the, the tragedy of just being born, right? Right. The unluckiness of just coming into the world existing in a certain way. And it, it's yourself, but you can't do anything about it except for like, hope or whatever it's uh it's like a the feeling is so it's futile but also like something that you have have to grasp there's so oh, there's so much in this there's so much yeah that I felt really expressed something that I had never felt and that's why I really liked it um because of that new experience and that new understanding this also reminded me of in like previous podcasts I've said and we've discussed the power of fiction in life and in its real like world impact on forming ideas and turning that into action that's why I like this part okay so you know the the idea of like sickness as a motif as a theme uh mm -hmm. is actually really prevalent in just literature like Virginia Woolf wrote everything about like her depression and I think like something that was really powerful to me that stood out that I remember reading when I was in a bioethics class in organ transplantation was um, the idea of like eros and like love while you're sick because like sickness can be a degenerative thing but like love is a generative thing right so like those opposing forces meeting each other and also let's not forget the idea of like the blood meeting together and them being like binded by by like the molecules in their blood becoming blood brothers mm -hmm. blood husbands like the whole idea of like family and just uh and love like sort to like meld together in in your body in like the most uh intimate way so i just really like that okay wait we're gonna run out of time again all right so let's take a break
Also, have you checked out our Instagram? We are at apocalypse underscore pod. And you can pretty much find all of our most recent updates on there, our favorite tea blends. And if you would like to shout out uh, something, you can DM us. So we'll see you either on Instagram or our newsletter, which we might be releasing soon, and um, a potential website. Don't tell anyone. Okay. So I think that just about wraps up our conversation. Maybe we can do like final thoughts and also uh, intro uh, our book for the next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For wrapping it up, I'm... We all really enjoyed this book, um, right? Yeah. Yes. We all, for us, I think it was also like it, it really shows how important it is to try new stuff. Like to not always read what you're comfortable with or what you know and like to put out your feelings. And I feel like book, a book club's a great, like the best place to do that. Like, <laughs> we come back, like if we had like getting to come back and talk to you guys about it. It's great. We discover new things. We always discover mm-hmm. new viewpoints. For sure. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. so grateful for this, like this space because like through just each other recommending new titles, I think we all have different interests. So for instance, like, like I've never read sci-fi before this book <laughs> club and it still means so much to me that we read um Stanislaw Lem and now he's like one of my favorite authors so yeah Yeah. so next month who's choosing next month's book next month's book so because I think Elva and Annie were like no this sounds better is the fifth season by N.K. Jemison, and this is a book I wanted to read for a really long time um but it's by N.K. Jemison, and it's a sci-fi book coming again from me Hallie a <laughs> fan of sci-fi um and I think it's going to be really fun yeah. so I'm looking for, like I think it's just going to be like a fun interesting sci-fi book which mm-hmm. is I, I'm thinking it's not gonna have the same philosophical not philosophical like the same uh, stylistic weight mm-hmm. as Solaris, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and it's a Hugo Award-winning book, so that's always a good sign. You know it's about to be good when it's a Hugo Award. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, and it's also the first volume in a series, so that means if you like the book, you can keep reading about the world where it takes place, which I also love in sci-fi. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's our book for next month. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time, hopefully. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So we're excited for that. And thank you for joining us this month and reading mm-hmm. the poetry with us. So, yeah. Should we sign off? Thanks a lot. Yeah, okay. signing off. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll end the recording. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Annie. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. We hope to see you for the next one. Take care.